You're listening to the Recovering Religion Podcast, a show where I explore religion through my new experience. This is my personal unconversion therapy outlet, so I hope you enjoy today's episode. Uh, for more information about me and what I'm trying to do through this organization, um, you can always visit Religion Recovery, that's all one word, R-E-L-I-G-I-O-N-R-E-C-O-V-E-R-Y.com in your web browser, and uh, thanks again for your support. Welcome back to the next episode of the Religion Recovery Podcast. So again, I'm Tyler and I have a guest today, which is my first guest on my show that I've ever had. So Amber, um, (laughs) thank you for joining us. (laughs) Yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, a woman of many trades. I do stand-up comedy as well as I have a degree in biochemistry, one in micro, and I tend to do molecular. <laughs> so it's a lot, but mostly with COVID, I've just been home and writing and kind of hanging out. So, Got you. Got you. And so, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> so about the audio, we're, we're doing like a live meeting for those that are listening. And um I definitely want you to know that the audio is a little bit choppy there. It's just because we're, you know, working remote and everything. So just so you know, we're all safe and everything over here. But um, I talked to Amber. I don't know when I met you. It was a couple years ago, I think through a mutual friend that was, I can't remember all of the details. It was Chelsea, who is friends with my eldest daughter, <laughs> And I think you actually went to school with uh, my kids. <laughs> I don't even know that you guys never really met each other, but we're friends. So I don't even know. I'm like, all I know is that I got somehow or another, we had mutual connections and, but either way, I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad that like, right. it was like, time. I think yeah. I was just cracking wise and you started cracking wise and we were like, you're <laughs> like that's how you meet most people on Facebook, or at least yeah, I do. You're like, you're hilarious. Let's be friends. I think that's what it, it may have been that more. <laughs> I think that may have been it <laughs> either way though. I, I feel like after, because like when I talk to you and everything, you know, over the phone, it's weird, like seeing you live now, but it was, it was so cool though. Like our, our conversation, everything, the last one that we had, because I think we were going like almost two and a half hours on the phone when we were talking. Right. It um, was crazy. And I'd say like, I feel like you probably do that with a lot of people where you can just really kind of get a conversation going. And I'm like, I feel like, yeah, that's kind of part of the job if you're doing anything. entertainment. <laughs> and, but yeah, it was definitely just, Right off the bat, we kind of hit it off with that. But I think we both kind of know where the other's coming from, and that helps. Yeah, and, and that's why, like, I, I think, too, why I wanted you on here kind of as our as our first guest and everything on the show is because I think you have, like, a really good balanced approach when it comes to religion, when it comes to kind of how that's affected your worldview and how <laughs> you've kind of found a way to not be as fucked up as – as you would have been had you would have stayed in religion. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. Maybe that's a that's not being a read. That's not a read. I promise. But I'm like, <laughs> I don't feel like it's off base, really. Though, like, there's definitely a lot of good and bad mixed in. But I feel like everything that was combined was just. It wouldn't have been great. It was a lot of catty. Like I had old ladies like coming and talk shit about my mom to me when I was a little kid. My mom was all mad. It, it's Midwestern white people church shit. <laughs> like, 
We just need to call it like white uh, Midwestern white people church shit. That's, That's that could be the name of this. I think it describes it. Like you hear that and you're like, I know what they're talking about. Like, (laughs) (laughs) it's true because like, if you think about it, like in a, in a weird way, religion kind of has a, it almost seems like a set demographic when it, when you look at like conservative evangelicals, you have mostly a whole bunch of white people that are in a way kind of using this whole different culture that they know nothing about but claim that they have like the perfect understanding of this book that's been translated a few fucking hundred thousand times. Well, so, the same you know what I mean? group of people who looked a long time ago at some Arabic and went mummia, which <laughs> actually translated to sap, and they're like, that's ground up ice, and they started eating it to get better. So, <laughs> translation skills so much, like. <laughs> Just casual cannibalism because you misread something in Arabic. <laughs> well, they know, you know better than you about religion. <laughs> I don't know how many times that's happened to me in my life where I've done that. And I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're like, oh, no, I misread this. And now I murdered a guy and ate him. <laughs> <laughs> like that escalated really quickly. <laughs> it, I mean, we, I got Hannibal Lecter on my shoulder. It, like, it oh, yeah, you do. Yeah, I forgot. You, you got that tattoo a while ago. I was like, I was like, did she get the one where he was wearing the mask? Oh yeah, you know, he went. He was like restrained and stuff. The Hannibal Lecter one, right? That's it, right I there. Love it. Photorealism. <laughs> Photorealism. That's the only kind of evangelist I've ever been. Is at like one forty-five, and you have that line of dudes at a bar just like looking desperate. I proselytize cannibalism as the way to go, just because they buy it the whole way. <laughs> <laughs> Please, get, okay, you, you got to give us the context of this. So. So you're you're is this actually like what you do in in bars like you're you're dead ass serious. I have dead seriously done that where I got bored and the person I was with was kind of annoying me who okay. was in the group. So I'm like, I'm going to go get a drink and start preaching to them why passive cannibalism was not that big of a deal if they're dead. <laughs> and all these dudes are like, yeah, and like totally like just clearly I'm in a skimpy dress and cute good figure. And that's the only thing they're focused on. But they agree with whatever I said and it was cracking me up so yes <laughs> trolling I don't comedy is kind of that yeah <laughs> it's the comic you'll do fucked up shit because you're like this is gonna be funny to talk about later look like <laughs> well like so it's kind of one of those in your brain give me give me like the most fucked up you can give me about in terms of the subject of religion to kind of break the tension with people listening what what's something that's like we're going to get people to drop off at about this minute mark. And then the people that stay, they kind of get the reward for staying. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I just, the tricky part is I'm not sure which direction I should go. I'm like, feel free and drop something fucked up about religion. Like which direction do you want that to take? Let's, let's take it in the direction first of life and death. Let's start there. Overall so- life, overall death, worldview shit. Like, what's the most fucked up thing I could think of to say around the overall? Mm-hmm. We should probably, like, I beyond, like, what I just did, where I'm like, when we die, we should eat each other. We're meat. Like, <laughs> um, much. <laughs> if you can go a level beyond that, <laughs> passive cannibalism. Like, it's tough around life and death. I'm like, I have a priest joke. <laughs> Feel free. I've heard plenty. <laughs> 
Um, I guess I could do the priest joke and hope that this doesn't ruin my reputation more. <laughs> I don't think so. It's just, <laughs> I've been a little worried when I've told it whether or not I get kicked out. It's going to be a little tricky from my bed because I can't pantomime as much. But there's actually a question outside of an open mic once where someone was going like, if a priest is going to molest a child, why would they go for or someone? Why would they go for someone who has no skill set? And <laughs> I'm an observational comic, so I look at things like I've never seen them before. And I was like, well... I think it's because you can palm their head. Like I've, I've had a lot of, I've performed a lot of fellatio. I'm an older lady. And if rhythm's off, like on someone like me, you have to get both ears going. Like, to, but like with a toddler or a child, you just got to palm their head like a mini basketball. So you can hold the rosary in the other hand. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I can't. It's a, uh... I, I'm gonna like so like doubly explicit so that way <laughs> it's like for the faint of heart they're like I'm just warning you. You might need a warning on that one. <laughs> I'm like you I, asked for it. I'm a comic. We could probably add that at the end. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in in a weird awkward way, and I'm sorry, but I try to diffuse any awkward subject, which I think religion is literally the most awkward fart in the room you could ever have when talking to someone. And it's just, it's stale. It feels like a lot of times and it feels like there's not a lot of give with the conversation with people about it. I feel like it's just cognitive dissonance for the most part. You smack so hard into so much cognitive dissonance that you can't really get to the conversation. It's just like everyone's waiting for the next judgment either way and how they're going to whammy back. Mm -hmm. And just that staunch, if you don't believe what I believe, you're wrong view. That's the shit that, like, we can't just disagree and be like, I like Buddha. I like Jesus. Cool. We good. Like, <laughs> like, high five. Like, we're all, like, trying not to murder, lie, and steal. It's, <laughs> it's, it's weird, though, Amber, because, like, I had, you know, for the longest time in a lot of, like, conservative Baptist circles and everything that I was in, I would, every time I would see the coexist bumper sticker, I shit you not, this is real. Every time I would see it, I low key was raging every time I would see that bumper sticker because in my mind, it was such like a compromise to have other religions that also have truth in them as apart from your own religion that only has truth, you think. And I don't know, like in your brain, because I want to get more about you, but like in your brain, how did that kind of that exclusivity, that monotheistic old God, the father shit kind of get in the way of allowing you to kind of grow faster as a person? Was there anything like that? Do you think that religion kind of contributed? Like, to that honestly, I like getting like more on the real and not even like just being funny on stuff. I'd say mm -hmm. like, still some of that where I still feel like I've got like residual Catholic guilt, or, but I'm spectrum -y and so there's a lot of shit I take very literally and having a lot of the religious stuff hammered at me as if it was fact. Like I legitimately believe that's the world I was going to be entering into is this hunky dory happy. Everyone doesn't, you know, people are dicks sometimes, but just like in the passive Miss Western way of my mom to the neighbor, like I, it wasn't that I didn't know bad shit happened, but like, I thought that was the outlier. Then you get older and hit the world and you're like, no, that, a lot of people say they don't do shit and do a lot of shit. That particularly looking at like the Bible, adultery or stuff mm -hmm. in there or lying like, I mean, we all do on, you know, no, you look great today. You don't look <laughs> shit like that. But for me, for a long time, a lot of that was just how you were. 
how you had to be. So I had that whole wavering back and forth between I'll grow up and be a nun and then just realizing that it's not that was not what my trauma and father issues were going to have for me later. For sure. <laughs> like there's a whole bunch of shit that was going to change my view that was going to happen. But I think some of that rigidity, it's just it. I feel like instead of being a positive thing for kids and people and even adults, it becomes this point of shame. Like, are you living up to what you're supposed to be? Mm. Are you perfect and holy enough? Mm -hmm. But a lot of it can get kind of abusive. It's just very, you can't question too much. So I became the asshole kid who sat and like, I took a class in high school that was Bible as a piece of literature and mythology. I don't, remember if I ever heard of this course but my sole purpose is like a punk rock rebellious ornery child was just to ask all the fucked up questions of the teacher because she tended to preach it Mm -hmm. one point like I'd sit there and be like what about dinosaurs and I'm like well (laughs) how come Adam and Eve could fuck each other but like incest fucks everyone up later like just the shit that yeah, the genetics of it. Got a high school fucking teacher who's trying to preach the Bible to kids who mostly are like, yes, whatever you say. And I'm over there like, fuck you. Found <laughs> me, would kick me when my hand went up, like, fucking stop it. Um, and eventually I, she, I can't remember what it was. She pulled something kind of BSy. And so I told the biology teacher and he went on an evolutionary rampage to go after her. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and I start going evolution like it's the truth. Huh? It like I'm like, oh, I just started a teacher fight. Oh, but, shit. yeah, I feel like a lot of that just people get really like you get shame and guilt and all this stuff where it's so enrooted and ingrained. You can't quite shake it. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who have a lot of repression. Yeah. I, I and it's just my belief think that like a lot of the homophobia transphobia all of that is just all that fucking repression why can't you let people exist and just not care like do you think i give a fuck what my neighbor's doing right now not at all no I, <laughs> hopefully my neighbor can say the same thing at like 3 a.m but i'm, <laughs> I'm if you're burning the house down i mean i'm gonna notice but like beyond that i'm like i don't care what they do in there so long as i can sleep the dog's not upset and like <laughs> It's it's weird to me. It's weird to me, honestly, because like I remember Amber like being very deep in this shit. I mean, like as you know, like I was in. Oh yeah, it, you were. Yeah, a lot was, more hardcore evangelical. So, very. What's that? Just that hardcore evangelical stuff that mm-hmm. you went through is. I can only imagine the brainwashy shit. Well, and that's that's why too, like I've been discovering kind of recently too that it's it's okay for me not to rescue people because that's like the kind of the pastoral mindset is that everyone's fucked up. The Bible itself calls people sheep. And I'm thinking like you want to follow a book that like generally kind of insults you for the most part. <laughs> like it's it's it, it says that explicitly that like we're sheep, he's the shepherd. It's kind of, and we're used frequently. We would use the examples in preaching as people are sheep. These are the sheep. And it's like, in a way you're kind of creating this weird class system, which is probably what you ran into a lot in Catholicism between the priests and then everyone else. Oh yeah. Like you're never going to be as holy as the one ordained by God up there to be there. Right. Like exactly. Exactly. Oh. Ah, yeah, I had a thought and then lost it right there, but go ahead, trying it's to see. <laughs> <Yeah>. Fuck. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, it was one of the things you said is just the rescue people. And that one is a big one that still affects me. Like I have to say, if I pulled like almost, it's, well, we'll, we'll be honest. It's probably like 100% of the problems that I've had probably in the last however many years were really probably usually set off by me helping people who don't have the best mental health or things like that. You know, trying to help people who have BPD or someone who's really kind of abusive. Mm hmm just so damn hard for me. I had to fight up through a lot of that where I didn't feel guilty saying no, if I like, if I have two cigarettes, just going, no, I want my last two. Yeah. It really wrapped my head around, you know what? They can get themselves a cigarette too, the same way you did like through mm -hmm. words, whatever. And you can help sometimes, but balancing that. Cause I feel like I was an asshole. If I had some and didn't give them the equal amount of to what I had. Exactly. It's the Catholic That's guilt. Exactly I had to, yeah, do a lot. And I still feel like I work on that just to kind of carve out where you have enough space and go, I can actually help more people if I have a bit more and I'm more charged and flush with cash or whatever. <laughs> like, like imagine how many people I could help if I actually had some fucking money. Like, <laughs> I've been saying that for years. And, you know, it's, it's weird too, because, you know, that's kind of the promise in a weird way. Christianity has kind of, and if it's like on the Catholic spectrum or in the evangelical spectrum, it, it seems for the most part where I'm going with this is that I feel like it offers something that it can't deliver on. And it's, it's that thing that we're kind of taught when we're really young to expect from religion that it seems like it just, it never really pays the bill. It never really gets the shit done. Like whenever you're in a crisis, I can't recall one time and maybe please tell me if you've experienced something like this, but I, I don't remember an overwhelming sense of calm by hearing like an audible voice, tell me shit that I can't just kind of attribute to my own mind and my own consciousness. And I'd say there's like aspects of it where I can still be calmed by it, but it's not by any piece of the religion necessarily. Like, I mean, maybe it's just like a nostalgia of, quiet but like the only time I really even mess with it at this point anymore is like if I'm having everything in my life fall apart and I'm looking for somewhere just fucking quiet to go and kind of reflect I'm probably mm -hmm. like a Catholic church that's on off hours where you can just kind of go in and kneel yeah. and be yourself um, but I think it's just the ambiance like honestly it's gorgeous like, oh it is yeah definitely so I'm like I still because I don't want it to seem like I'm completely down on it like I think there's it's just really where people take it yeah almost any religion and if you're really just going for more of a metaphorical like what am i going to do to improve my life with this as opposed to using it it's the shield versus sword thing mm -hmm. religion's a shield to protect you and you're like fuck them i like god like whatever go to hell great you know mm -hmm. once you're turning around and stabbing people and attacking them um my ex-husband went really really conservative christian after we divorced and we'd agreed okay to not raise the kids in any religion and the shifts so he started going evangelical with them and i would just kind of sit them down and like really try to reiterate like at the end of the day believe whatever you want but if you're planning on getting into heaven there is zero tickets besides your own that you can buy hmm. like no matter what you do no matter how hard mean bad good whatever you can only assure yourself let everyone else do them yeah, that's true. We're trying to be supportive, but like you don't need to bludgeon anyone into this hmm. or shame or guilt or. 
like it's not your job and i think that's a lot of what bothers me with some of that is just they're through condemnation and looking down your nose you're going to convince people to turn it around like that the shun is going to work and everyone on the other side is just like fucking smoking weed and doing drugs like fuck you shun away like no one cares exactly (laughs) exactly and it's well it's it's almost like in a weird way that they're they're so fucking controlling i believe that it over time I think that it just kind of fucks with your entire perception of even what's real after a few years of dealing with it and kind of heavily in religion and heavily kind of being indoctrinated by this shit. And again, I don't want to just bash on religion for two hours, but at the same time, like this shit though, this condemnation really, I feel has a really big psychological effect on people recovery. If you look at a lot of how they do it and you read through any of the stuff that teaches you about abuse and brainwash tactics, it's the same. (laughs) It's really not different. Everything is like I like scribbled jokes and kind of scrapped them because I'm like, I'm pretty sure a lot of other people have written this. Mm -hmm. So I have something more unique, I guess. I'm not going to continue to work on it, but go in. You look at some of the stuff. It's like, you can't worship anyone but me. And I'm like, yeah, it kind of sounds like, are you talking to other dudes? Like level of shit. (laughs) like a lot of stuff in there that's just very in line with that narcissistic ego and i'm like i i don't know for me if i'm gonna believe in a god i couldn't believe that that's his the personality type we're dealing with here given i kind of think if there is one how the fuck would any of us understand something smart enough to create us we're pretty fucking complicated exactly i'm like our puny little eight minds wouldn't fathom any of that (laughs) beyond like we can't even figure out our own bits and just agree. <laughs> like, Yeah. Well, like it's, it takes us most of our life to kind of discover even who the hell we are. And then we spend the rest of our life kind of debunking all the other shit we used to believe about ourselves. It feels like, and yeah. I, and I don't know, like in, I want to go back to what you said, because you, you brought up something it, with, with brainwashing, because I want your expertise on this shit. Give me, give me like from your, from your experience, from your mindset, how, how would you tell someone that's brainwashed that they're brainwashed and how do you kind of recognize brainwashing yourself? Like, have you been brainwashed? And like, that's kind of what I'm wondering. And like, how have you gotten out of it? Cause I'm kind of curious. For me, I like I wish I was better at it. And it's one of those things where I'm going like I try to strategize how I could approach better where you're just going, how do I talk to this person? I think a lot of it is challenging logics is there's those points where if you can ask a question that they can't answer, that's where people tend to grow. And that's worked for me. Brainwashing. Yeah, I my mother was very abusive. My ex was very abusive. Like I've dealt with a lot of that. And in those you don't realize it's happening. You just don't get what the fuck is going on. And eventually it's just, you let a boundary go because you're like, not where the fight, not where the disagreement. Mm-hmm. Any emotional abuse is like that. It just kind of wears them down till eventually you just feel bad for everything all the time. You mm-hmm. just feel bad for not mind reading and ex- very existing. You feel bad and mm-hmm. are just watching what everyone else needs all the time. And the only thing that kind of, the stuff that really helped me wake up to it was just one, seeing and reading stuff that, was pointing out what the tactics were. And I'm like, son of a bitch. But it was anything that challenged the logic. A lot of times it'd be someone demanding something of me. And if you looked at both ends, it was just one day kind of realizing if you inverse the scenario, 
Mm -hmm. looked at what each person had to do on one end. It would be like, well, this person could just calm down and get over it. If someone goes, Oh no, I'm not mad. And the other person is really asking for, I want you to never change the volume tone pitch of your voice because it might make me think I'm mad. And you're going, okay, which one of these is reasonable. And I had to do these. Is it reasonable or unreasonable? Yeah. Someone's going, when you talk, you know, getting passionate, I think you're pissed off. You're going, so I can never change from a monotone. I have to speak like this. Or you could just believe me. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> you could just do that. Cry. I don't know. Whatever you got to do to get over it and be fine. Mm-hmm. And fight so fragile. Yeah. Because that's usually in abuse stuff. That's what you're running into. And I think that's what you see in a lot of religious stuff like Scientology. Mm-hmm. Your own fear and fragility around their belief system that makes them buy billions of dollars in lawyers and their founder. I mean, like because if, if it was that great, you wouldn't need all those lawyers to protect it. It would just be great. Right. You would think so. If, if supposedly you have the backing of God in the entire universe, you would think that you don't have to create websites about people that are like defamatory. Like they do. I mean, like it's, it seems to me like very fragile, like you're saying very fragile egos for people that supposedly have a really good corner on truth. That seems really weird to me. Well, and if it's that great and no one's buying it, wouldn't you think that maybe that's God's will? I'm just (laughs) (laughs) like, nah, fuck them all. Like like, that this was preordained. Like, yeah. Well, in, in some ways, right. Like in some ways, in a weird way, how would you say, because I know, I know you, you, you subscribe definitely to more. Is it, is it, would you say more of like a, like a Buddhist philosophy and everything that what you believe? Yeah. Um, when people ask what my religion is, I basically say I'm not religious. I'm spiritual, if you will. But um, I know it's a common answer, but I am a Spinozist and philosophical Buddhist. But everything I believe is kind of more philosophical. Does that mean I don't believe that there's something bigger than me out there? There's a lot of stuff that even as a scientist, I go, eh, for me, it's enough to be convinced that there might be. There's a lot of order that doesn't make sense to me without some kind of design, I guess. Mm-hmm. But that I just feel like by boxing into a lot of the stuff I saw, see with religion, you don't have that flexibility to believe something that might be a bit more hybrid. And how do we know that that hybrid isn't truth? Yeah. I feel like if there's a God, they'd be a lot more parental. Like and parents can still be assholes and kind of good parents too. <laughs> more like that than just so condemning. Do you feel, and this is kind of getting onto what we kind of, what I want to go over with you too, is that how do you feel? Because I, this is, this is definitely a loaded question. <laughs> so how do you feel that you like as a parent, because I know what we talked about the last time we, we touch base, like give me kind of your backstory on like, as a parent, how has this shit become more real to you now that you have kids? Because it's one thing that is brainwashing you, but like you're saying too, even like with your ex, you had kind of an agreement that you don't want to, push one thing or another on them. Like, how has that been? How has that been for you? Like, is that practically like, is that working for you? Do you think, do you feel that it's been helping not having those kind of controlling things in religion? Or do you feel like there are some things that you do retain from like your background, like growing up Catholic, you know, like, do you still have some of that rigidity too with them? 
I feel like with them, I my philosophy with my kids has always been believe whatever they really wanted to that I'd prefer they go out and take in a lot of different religions and read and understand about them. Um, sometimes as punishments, I ground a child and then find out they had something big they wanted to go to. So they could do an exchange with me, which was writing essays. And at one point I've done, you can't pick Christianity, but pick three religions, compare and contrast. And here's all the points. I'm like, I, I give them books to read and essays. And so it'd be stuff like that mm-hmm. where kind of put them in a position. You, oh, you want to, go out on this date like you're gonna write an essay on three different religions basically for me <laughs> and was always surprised at the quality of the work <laughs> like good essays but yeah it was just always going i just want you to believe it for you and because you want to not because someone told you you had to and just trying to have that different and separate and then for me it was more just pushing critical thinking and starting with them really young with that being like your teachers and everyone have told you the shape of the earth. How do you know the shape of the earth? And one of my kids basically was like, well, because I've seen a picture from space. And I'm like, that's a good answer. You thought about and applied evidence, like do that to everything. Hmm. So, yeah, it, anytime I seen the stuff that bothered me more would be I'd run into it more where my ex would be coercing or paying them to do stuff that was against what they wanted to do. And it'd be like, well, but if you go to this extra church thing or do this other activity or whatever, if you do the baptism or whatever, I'm going to buy you a bunch of stuff. Mm. And they'd be going, but I don't want to, but I like money and stuff. Like <laughs> <laughs> as a kid will do, but I don't know. Cause he did that to a lot. Like he's, I don't know. It's tough when it comes to like looking at the, my kids, my ex and all that going like he's already abusive. So I'm like, this also happened with haircuts. Like my kids had a spot cut for way too long and wanted long hair. Like, well, like it's, it's weird though to me because like when you say that, I'm going to cut you off, but I'm thinking like when you say that it, it comes, it comes to me like that, at least it comes across to me that religion can be in a way like sim symbiotic with abusers in, in in a way. I don't know if that's a bad correlation or if you say that's, I don't know. I'm curious. I your think it just depends on where you, where the person takes it. I think there is this free pass for people who have a lot of shame and guilt from their behavior, which is something that is a big part of someone being an abuser is they are constantly having to talk themselves into believing they're good. Hmm. Done some pretty awful shit because how do you do some really awful shit or like are just constantly horrible to someone you you know like particularly domestic violence or emotional abuse and not feel guilt and shame over it and they have to kind of constantly work to flip the script to make it that you deserve it and then they enter in this thing where they're trying to like i've seen a lot of this with people who are abusive who went and found religion afterwards and it's because they're like well jesus forgives me so i'm good Mm -hmm. but i don't need to get forgiveness or do anything to write it with anyone else Hmm. that mentality i think is the one that bothers me the most in religious groups way you run into people who are spiritual who believe that but also want to go make it right with the other people and are really humbling in themselves and i think that the humility is a big part of that someone who's got a lot more humility and doesn't think they're the end-all be-all is more likely to try to make things right Hmm. those are people who are religious that never bother me because they're just really always trying to do good. And mm. you run into people where it's like, nope, God said I'm good. 
doesn't matter what I did or who I did it to, fuck you. And I'm like, yeah, that's all entitlement. And entitlement and abuse kind of hand in hand. That's all that is. Hmm. Abuse is literally just control and entitlement and anger. Hmm. Someone who's trying to control someone else's behavior through however, whatever means, whether it's battery or sexual abuse or even if it's just shaming them all the time it, and for emotional abuse would be just making them feel awful for everything they do. All of that is just because of the person's a very afraid. And if they have that person under control, then they feel comfortable and secure. And I think you see that with religion. And I wonder how much it's because the people have some kind of self-doubt around it, mm-hmm. but you call it with entitlement. You can either explore it and really figure out what you believe, or you can just go, nope, there's, this is it. There, I don't know if that, yeah. No, 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 that, that, that makes complete sense. <laughs> you can sure I was cohesive and incoherent there. I'm like, no. I kept talking to the point where I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's good. And that's, that's why I like, that's why I feel like the format today is, is, is more loose because I, there's like so many different things that, that, we still have to even go over with you, but I'm just, I'm so curious on like these small little things on your expertise in, because these are things that before I've been in a way, I've been like trying to appeal to another authority in some way that would know a little bit more about, you know, what are you, what is the recovery aspect part of religion? You know, like, what is the point of the show is that I'd really think about that. And I was like, how does Amber kind of help tie in with what is the show? And I was thinking, I think I think you bring to the table, at least for these episodes and everything you're on, these two episodes, is that you can have an experience with religion and you can have an experience with spirituality and not hate all people in it. And you can believe a lot of things about science, of course. You could be, you know, like you are a scientist and you can also still be kind at the same time. It's like... You know what I mean? I like I, I like your balance in that way. <laughs> even for any of that and why and like if I was to guess what that comes from, I think it's just hitting points of like, yeah, there's definitely points where I'm like, I just don't give a shit anymore about anything. Like and then building from there. But it's just not taking everything so seriously. Hmm. You can be deeply spiritual and also not take it so seriously to think that you need to ensure everyone else also does. Just being content with you and your own and worried about yourself solves actually all kinds of shit. Honest God, Facebook would go away in a day because all that is is people telling each other how they're wrong or like damning each other's opinions all day. Like That's a good point. That's a good point. And it's almost like these things exist around us because of our complacency with them in a lot of ways is the judgment, the constant judgment, it feels like. And it feels like it's really welled up. Be it algorithms or like if you watch social or any of that other whatever it is, we I feel like we've got this just rising tide for watching it over social media where I look back to stuff that was free Facebook, like live journal. Hey, hey, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I can go back to that and see where people who had wildly different opinions in politics and religion could still just like have a conversation, and be like, Yeah, I don't believe that, but cool. Like we're not gonna hang out, but it's cool that you believe it, Mike. Like Yeah. No mudslinging, no one got blocked, no one, you know, nothing crazy like you see now where people will go for someone's grandma and they're like, leave her out of it. <laughs> well, it's, it's true, though, because, like, it feels like now things have gotten so much more personal and the attacks have gotten more personal. And I, I 100 percent like maybe this is a bold claim on it, but 
I feel a lot of that has to do with kind of this, like we talked about at the beginning, this kind of whitewashing in a weird way of Midwestern kind of Christian Southern Baptist values that have just been kind of pushed on everyone. And it's cringy as fuck. That's just me. <laughs> I feel like a lot of that, like the t- tension oh, yeah. from that is that there was tension in the church wouldn't be on the right side of history when it came to slavery. There was tension when the church, you know, didn't stand up for civil rights when they should have. And they kept holding these segregated things. Then there's like the entire Middle Ages. Like, we'll just... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is modern history. Oh my God. Like, shit was crazy. (laughs) But I think people miss, like, I think we've had, like, lots of religion at least has had major fluctuations with that back and forth where... Yeah, it's kind of strange. I'm like, they seem, they seem kind of light now, but maybe it's because they don't have any as much power as they once did. Mm-hmm. But you still a lot of that permeate through just money now. We might not have battles and freaking burning each other to death as heathens when usually they're Christian being killed for being a heathen. <laughs> but going, you see, it's like there are people buying it off now. But it mm-hmm. that's what bothers me is it seems like there's just so much of that push where there's all the people who are evangelicals who do believe that they could kind of nudge an Armageddon forward and they're mm-hmm. bidding what they want but on what they want to happen like yeah. I, don't, I don't yeah I don't know how to tackle that one without getting too heavy into it but going yeah I think just it's become the voices that make the most money or spend the most money or appeal to the people who have it are kind of pushing a lot of that. And the church has always been pretty flush with cash. Mm-hmm. Oh, to, to say the There's least. A whole lobby that kind of pushes a lot of those narratives. You watch, like, I remember when Mitt Romney almost seemed kind of reasonable at the very beginning of things. And then he went more and more and more evangelical that by the time it was right there, he completely yeah. And what should he be saying that? And you watch it every time happen. Yeah. Well, it's it's, it's weird, too, because, like, I was on Romney's campaign back in the day. Like, this is how far I've gotten from this world was, like, I was in – I was, like, a card-carrying Republican Party member that would register people to vote and worked on Mitt Romney's campaign with the Republican Party to get him nominated. And I remember, like, he came to a rally at – my local Bible college in Chandler, if you remember, like a few years ago, that was actually at my Bible college where that shit happened. And part of, I don't know what it was, but there was something about that day where, and this is kind of where I want to jump off on like a springboard on a topic with you, because I saw right there kind of the intermingling of religion and politics that ended up being so fucking I believe big for me in seeing that this is a wrong thing. Then I realized it was wrong because I asked kind of, um, I asked the pastor the same question on why didn't you give the opportunity to give Obama to come to the school and give a speech as well. And he said, Oh, well, you know, he wouldn't want to come to a place like this. That was the answer. And I'm thinking to myself, (laughs) I'm like, he needs votes, right? He needs evangelical votes. Yeah. Why wouldn't he? And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, it's it's not just that, you know, this is all coming from a white run church, from all white leadership, from all pretty much that all that I know of, to, to the best of my knowledge, everyone that was on the board of directors was Republican or conservative. So it seems to me as if it was really convenient and easy for you to vilify him very quickly. 
and to kind of dismiss him not as serious when he already won. Like, <laughs> I'm like, why wouldn't you, like, if you had the opportunity to have the president, I get maybe president one excluded, <laughs> but if you would have, like, a, a normal kind of decent president, then we'd be in office that is rational or, you know, people kind of want to rally around. Why wouldn't you have him at your venue for free? Right. At least, try. Be, at least, like, you know what I mean? Like, at least and let him refuse. (laughs) Yes, That's why I was like, just from a marketing point of view, this is dumb. But from like a spiritual point of view, it's so much more stupid because I'm like, one, I just started asking him questions. I said, okay, so we're conservative evangelical, but this guy's Mormon. And I said, is that a problem to you? Because you said that it was a problem that Barack Obama was supposedly Muslim, supposedly. Right. Right. And there's nothing really that backs a lot of the claims. Every single solitary thing the man says about himself. And he's kind of the best reporter of his own religion. But go on. You know, exactly. Exactly. Right. It's like it's like how of all the people, you know, and we've heard it from his own mouth that this isn't where what he believes. This is just something that just has been pinned on him from by these conservative people for the most part. And it worked. And. I, I just think that, like, after a certain point, religion just kind of immediately puts up the guard. We don't change. We don't adjust. This is a possibility for us to not be in control anymore. So we can't possibly let our venue be in a place with someone that might say the wrong shit and confuse people. And why is that? Why is that such a big fucking problem? Like, I would ask that all the time. Why it is it a problem? With so little intellect on behalf of the parishioners. You see like, what I mean? <laughs> it's like you're too dumb to deal with other talk. We can only say I've never understood that or like you see the stuff in Texas and stuff where they put a sticker over female anatomy in books that are teaching sex education because that'd be too much. Like these kids are just gonna lose their minds the minute like they like they don't have the internet and phones and just friends like little kids even are like I'll show you you're they have no idea what they're doing and it's not really sexualized they're just curious but I'm like people have a general idea they're not that but you kind of see that within like definitely on the Catholic end but with religion throughout history like it's always just that you have to do this because you're too stupid to know and God tells me and otherwise you're gonna you're never gonna make it to the promised land however that looks whether that be ascending now or waiting until later. I don't know. I try to keep up with how many religions believe in the, you sleep in the ground thing and how many don't. <laughs> well, it's like, it's <laughs> the, the corpse reanimation stuff. That's some of my favorite shit to fuck with around religion. <laughs> like, We're all just waiting until the Jesus juice brings us back to life. Jesus juice. See, we need to market a drink called Jesus juice. Yeah. And then, <laughs> We could sell that shit, I guarantee you. And we could get like Ted Haggard to sign off on it. And who's that other guy that was, who's the one creepy guy that was wanting a jet? Do you know who I'm talking about? He was so creepy. Oh, what the fuck was his name? I can't remember. I can't remember. Um, <laughs> he was really, oh, uh, Copeland, I think, was his name. Kenneth okay. Copeland, that guy, I think. He's completely insane. And it's weird to me too, because I had a lot of run-ins with people that were kind of on this fringe religion shit. 
And I just want to like ask you in your experiences, because I want to get to some of your stories because I have so <laughs> many things written down. I'm like, I need to let Amber talk. So tell me the, tell me the spill the tea for me, please on spirits, ghosts, other encounters you've had and shit onto the juicy shit. Like what have you experienced that kind of makes you do a second take on shit? And yeah, I feel like for me, it's almost two different questions. Cause I'm like, anything that's even ghost or spiritual, I've actually done amateur ghost hunting. Um, I'm usually, okay. the, but I'm open to, so I could say I've seen shit that I couldn't explain like by any stretch and I don't write it off. I just go, I have no idea. I have no idea. Maybe it's a ghost. Maybe it's demons. I, I don't know. They're fine. There's a decent amount of that where I'm like pretty open to it, but I'd say the things that really, it was almost like I did a loop in science, like, where I still had a lot of that really, really ingrained and I started doing science. And then for the longest time, people, I still believe there was an afterlife, but I recognized it was because I needed that. And people as scientists would come up and be like, really, you're a scientist, but you believe in afterlife? Why? And I'm like, cause it makes me happy. Like I just like less existential dread by believing that. So do I need another reason? Cause they really couldn't argue that either. They're like, well, I guess that's weird. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I feel <laughs> like I, I'm not going to try to prove it to you. It just makes me happy. Like, and that's all I need. But it was beginning to see, like, I kind of went where I was a lot more just evolutionary based for a while. But for me, it's having really explored and looking at chemistry and biochemistry and everything trending towards chaos. And then seeing the areas where it's, you're looking at golden ratios and stuff like that and seeing this beautiful elegance or learning microbiology and the math around everything that's happening on a chemistry level, on a micro scale, and realizing the same math applies to space. And that all of this stuff had so much patterning to it that I have a harder time believing in a series of happy accidents happening over and over and over until we can achieve this. That mm-hmm. what, I don't necessarily know that they give a fuck about us at all. Or they just didn't create, throw everything out. And this, but to me, it keeps me more open and kind of just having a general notion of, yeah, I think there's something kind of bigger out there just because of the amount of elegance and beauty in how human bodies react, biochemical reactions and our systems that keep us from dying all the time. We never even bat an eye doing chemistry around just like a cone or a single cone or rod in your eye. And you have to write like four pages of chemical reactions. And then that happens in, like nano and picoseconds over and over for us to see billions of times. And you're like, to me, it's just so mind boggling that maybe that's all my monkey brain can come up with is that something bigger and better had to do this. Cause I can't conceive mm. much happy accent, but I think a lot of it was, I never separated the religion and science fully like Gregor Mendel is the father of genetics and he's a monk, like mm. looking for evidence of a higher power when they were and somewhere that gets cut off, but I don't know that that it's just whether or not you believe that the Bible and all of this stuff started with, did God create people? Bam. And he just put a couple of grown ass adults there, or did he throw RNA across the universe? And I'm going any of those work. It just depends on where you put start. Hmm. So I can't deny it. So I kind of hover in the middle of going, I really, I'm, open to whatever and I'm waiting for anything that's going to really tip those scales one way or the other, but I've never found anything that took me out of kind of a neutral. 
I don't not believe and I don't like deeply follow so much as I'm just trying to do my best to not be an asshole. <laughs> um, and you know, like just be sociopathically like, no, like I can do whatever and having ethics, but I don't know that ethics require religion. I know it helps a lot of people they are afraid. And there are people who won't harm someone just because of a belief and that's positive. Anytime we can get someone to not do some fucked up shit, just because they're <laughs> good. Congratulations. You're like, we're stealing and murdering. I like sky's the limit. We're, we're moving forward in the right direction is what you're saying. It feel in on the evolutionary timetable of this shit. And yeah, like, and I say, I was Spinozist and Spinoza's views are very much just kind of, we're only bounded by the fact that we're human. So we can only do human stuff. Like we can't, do X-Men shit yet, basically. And his view was that if you lived every single solitary experience that someone else did, the next move you'd make would be the same. That that's we're just a product should. of every experience and thing that's happened to us, that it takes a lot of blame off of people going, like, people are just people. Like, hmm. who we are that we say and do what we do. So I think that helps me when I deal with people who are like hardcore envelop evangelical and screaming at me going like you know they're doing their best and they think that they're doing the right they legitimately think they're doing the right thing yeah I can sit over there and just kind of chuckle and be like well I do too and I'm gonna leave because I don't want to deal with them and that's what I think the right thing is for me but most cases I don't find people's intentions to be malicious sometimes but very rarely even if they're doing malicious acts and that's where that shit gets I think more confusing and worse is that when you think you're doing good, but you're actually damaging and you can't see it. Hmm. And do you feel like in your, in your experience that there's been, there's been like a change in how you view right and wrong? Like, because I know there's, there's been a, a big shift, at least in your, your worldview from what you grow up with, with where you are now. So like, where do you, like what happened exactly to get you to kind of your mindset now of being more kind of open and not taking it as seriously? Like, like get, give me your backstory on the shed. That seems like such a broad question. I know. I just like, there's like so much I want to hear though. Like, just yeah i'm just going how do i sum up or have i i'm trying to think of if i've even really reflected on what i'm like well one there's a lot of trauma that changes things um i'd say the moments where i've felt the most close to any kind of spiritual god power whatever most in tune with that is usually where i'm feeling really good after something really fucked up or bad happened like almost dying Mm -hmm. Um, and after that like you if you almost die for real, for real, for the most part, you have a almost euphoria because you're like, fuck, I'm still alive. But then you go and like, look at Facebook and you're like, how can you all be complaining about this when you have life today? Mm-hmm. And I, that kind of helps break through some of that shit. It's just the perspective. Mm-hmm. Getting things are fleeting. And I'd probably say being really having dealt with a lot of really up close and personal intense trauma when I was younger caused me to get more into oddities and really explore stuff that was like really deemed taboo or that jokes around cannibalism, same thing. It's just really exploring that in a new way and breaking through. Why do I feel this is taboo? And is it because someone else told me Hmm. or because I really on a base level think this is objectively wrong. 
and deciding for myself, really just parsing through a lot of that crap and taking on kind of a more Victorian memento mori stance of, you know, remember you'll die every day because when you do, you don't waste the time so much. You hmm. remember to live. So memento mori, memento mori, memento vivere is the quote where it's remember you're going to die. So remember to live. Hmm. I think for me, that's a lot of it. Cause it's like, you can get really mad at some of that stuff or you can be like, do I want to waste my time on this today or not? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. how not every day. <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 and like in, would you say that, like, what would you say to people? Like, because I'm sure you get this a lot too from, especially from the evangelical world. Cause I know I've asked the question before, so I can only imagine that many other people have probably said the same thing or hinted to it on like what exactly <laughs> I'm trying to word it right and not fuck it up. Completely. So what would you say like to people that have the assumption that the Christian worldview is kind of the end all be all for shit? This is kind of the establishment for morality, the establishment for where we get our quote unquote Judeo-Christian values that's just kind of the talking points that I remember from it. Like, what do you say to that? Like when you hear something like, you know, Judeo-Christian values and that kind of defines my morality and yeah, they definitely have their own opinion, but I'm, I want your opinion though. I'm like, what do you think about that? Like about people using that as a definition for morality? Yes. Is it, does that stand in your brain? I think it's short sighted because um, it would assume that if there's an island full of people who aren't Judeo-Christian, that they're just like willy-nilly murdering and killing. And while there's been points of groups and stuff who, yeah, might have had more dark religious beliefs, there's groups who eat their dead, like <laughs> not like in a mean way, like someone dies. It's like the whole family gathers around and eats the body. And like if it's too much, you go puke, you come back till you finish your family. Um, they've cut off practices of that. Like, <laughs> but really it's other than sometimes having that people have different beliefs. And if you, I think for Judeo Christian gets really trapped in the fact that it's a very tunnel vision view. I can point out to almost it's someone from any other country, how fucked up it is that I saw my dad in lipstick when he was dead. And they will be like, what the fuck? Why? Why didn't you just bury them? Like, mm-hmm. it's bizarre, the practices we have, but we're so tunneled in to think that Judeo-Christian is it, not realizing there are so many different practices, but most of them all are still within this moral and ethical framework that they're talking about. They just have different ceremony, different mm-hmm. practices, different things that you do at a wedding, different things you do with the dead. It's just what, who's going to deem which group is more irreverent. Like, is it more irreverent to dig up a family member or is it more irreverent to like put them in a bunch of fucking chemicals and shove them in the ground somewhere, like mm. put on them. So they look alive and pretend like they're just sleeping. Like all of this seems weird to everyone outside of that, but you don't really see the ethics crumble apart until you see societies. And then we have, like right now it's going to shit but i don't think it had anything to do with ethics (laughs) i think it's the opposite to get to here Hmm. so most groups i think just kind of we and like for the most part i'd say the bulk of people have empathy and don't want to watch others suffer and And, and that's right about most evangelicals for sure for sure 
And I don't feel like most people are any different. Like I know plenty of atheists who are like so uh, upset by hurting others. They're very vegan, like <laughs> just because they wouldn't ever want to cause that kind of harm. You see the same thing with Buddhism, not wanting to even kill a bug at certain levels with monks and things like that, that are all just generally not trying to cause suffering. I tend to think the more you've dealt with suffering, the more you are adverse to it. Hmm. There are exceptions, but I think a lot of the shit that I've dealt with has just made me more and more chill. Like, just because I don't want to impart on anyone else any more suffering if I don't have to. Doesn't mean it doesn't sometimes happen. I can be an asshole too, but like, <laughs> for the most part, it's not the case. <laughs> or I'd be quick to turn around if they wanted to do that. But well, and that's why that's why I think too. Like, and and I think this is a good this is a good stopping point at least for the the first part of this of this episode. So we're going to come back with part two here after we take a break. But I just wanted to. Um, kind of talk about what we're going to be hitting on the next one here, just for those that are listening to what look forward to when it's published the next week. Um, for the second part of this one here, we're going to be going through kind of consciousness. And I want to hear from you, Amber, in terms of from like a science point of view and also from, you know, experiential point of view, I would love to hear your thoughts on does you know, do psychedelics help with your view on religion? Do does condensate? <laughs> the fun shit is part two, but I'm like, I'm like I want to at least get the, yeah, the, the background. Of the Coyote Church of Life. So let's <laughs> start there. <laughs> <laughs> so we could. I'm gonna make a note of that here, and then. Um, <laughs> did you say okay? Let me make sure you're right. You say the Peyote Church of Christ. Did I hear you right? Church of life. Oh. Okay. <laughs> It's illegal in Arizona to do peyote if it's your religion. Okay. But I do have the certificate that says I'm a member of the church. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. And and maybe, um, I don't know if you have ready, read, I don't know, what was I trying to say? Easy access to that, readily available. That's what I was trying to say. Are you, if you have it readily available, we would love to see it. But if not, that's okay. But yeah, um, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing what you've shared so far. And um, I'm excited to go on to the second hour here in part two. And thank you for having me on. <laughs> and really quick here, um, just for this part, if you could just plug, where can people find out more about you and where can people follow you and kind of support you? Probably the easiest to get to is Instagram and I'm Amber Webster 623 or Facebook. Those are kind of the two socials I'm sticking to. I think I have a Snapchat too, but it'll be on my Instagram. Um <laughs> Lately, um, there usually anything that I'd be doing show wise or anything like that usually is posted on my wall somewhere or so digging around through that or even so long as it's not crazy number of people so shoot me a DM. And if I don't get back to you, I had a crazy number of people. I asked <laughs> <laughs> for. So um, hopefully we get some good traffic your way, too. And do you got any upcoming shows at all that are coming up? Currently, I do not. Just everything's kind of been back and forth as restaurants and bars have been shut down. So, got you. Okay. Well, we'll definitely whenever whenever that does uh, change, we'll definitely keep people posted on here too, so they can kind of follow up with you too. You're listening to the Recovering Religion podcast, show where I explore religion through my new experience. This is my personal unconversion therapy outlet. So, I hope you enjoy today's episode. Uh, for more information about me and what I'm trying to do through this organization, um, you can always visit Religion Recovery. That's all one word. R-E-L-I-G-I-O-N-R-E-C-O-V-E-R-Y dot com. And you're
web browser. And uh, thanks again for your support.